Welcome to the Property Chit Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Louise Roke, where I talk about everything and anything property. Okay, so today I'm speaking to Shelley Brockless from Yellow Fox, which is a design um, company, and Shelley is the design business manager. Hi, Shelley. Hi, Louise. Yeah, how are you? Good. Good. Thanks so much for meeting up with me. Um, basically, today we're just talking about you know when people use designers, and um, we'll sort of go from there. So, what what does your day to day job entail? Well, the day to day job is helping consumers, builders, architects, and developers. Probably, I suppose, if I'm talking to a real estate agent, get the max out of what their build, their buy, or their selling property is. If a personal personal consumer obviously is looking for the best out of the house, Mm -hmm. the developer is looking for the best out of his development, and a real estate obviously is making the best out of what they can help their client with and sell and come out with maximum price. Right. So you are the ideas person. We are the ideas person. I suppose the ideas person comes with probably 20 to 30 years of background um, in all areas. Um, Do we always get it right? Of course not. Otherwise, we would all have a crystal ball and we'd know which way to go. But I think the amount of experience our team and ourselves have had, um, I think we could give advice that I would say that would probably be the best advice should someone want to take it on. Yes, and should I say that I've seen a bit of Shelley's work and um, she's had a lot of media attention and everything as well. And, um, yeah, it's pretty impressive, um, some of the stuff you do, Shell. So you actually also do some commercial work at the company, is that right? That's right, we do. We do. We work for developers, so um, when a developer takes on an architect, Sometimes developers feel that an architect does the great about the building, but does sometimes feel that the the architect doesn't take the finite detail for what we're looking for in the interiors of a development. And I'm talking about multi-dwelling residential. I might be talking about, um, re- not retirement villages so much, but lifestyle villages. Um, and basically, it's all about getting an expert to say, what does the public want and how do we spatially put that into the size of what's being built? We do lifestyle blocks. We have couples living in five-bedroom houses, which some of us think is utterly ridiculous. And then we have people that are coming from a high-end house in Epsom, Remuera, that wants to downsize. So... It's all about lifestyle. It's all about, I suppose, where you are and what you're doing. Um, I I couldn't say one is outstripped the other. Obviously, land is tight. Yes. So the the entry level to middle is probably going to get smaller. Yes, right. Um, right. The I suppose the lifestyle that have that the clients that are winding down. You might find somebody in, in Epson, Remuera, might be downsizing and they might be wanting to go into a lifestyle village. However, they still want to live in the luxury exactly. of Remuera, yeah. Remuera. So they want almost a hotel rather than a lifestyle village. Yes. So you've got to accommodate that or should I say you've got to accommodate their family. Right. Because the wish list comes more from the family oh, okay. than it does from the <laughs> So are you talking about people who have sold up their big house and have decided to, you know, go and live in a lovely apartment and it's the actually behind the scenes, it's the family who is sort of telling you what they want. Is it because... Uh, for the family, I think they're used to luxury and lifestyle yes. and they want to have something that they can, can also come to. be really proud that their parents have wound down, yes. but wound down into something that they call it 
a luxury hotel. It's yeah. like, you know, how do I go into a lifestyle village and live in the Hilton? Yes, that's, that's true. That's basically where they're wanting to be. That's where we're gearing up. Yeah. So uh, we're not lifestyle. It's definitely not um, retirement village no, anymore. No. It's gone to lifestyle, and I suppose it's really gone to hotel. Yes. So when you say this lifestyle thing, is it a particular age group? Do you have to be 55 and over, or is it just more, you're just saying lifestyle um, but it could be anybody. I would say 55 and over. Yeah. I, I would yeah. say prior to that, um, you're still mobile enough. Um, people are looking forward. Um, and we did a development in Mount Eden. Um, and that the brief from the developer was, we want to take you to the Hilton Hotel. Yes. And we want this to look like the Hilton. So you name it, we had hairdressing salons that could be Rodney Wayne. Oh, nice. They had croissants and coffee being served all day long. Oh, great. The smell of bread being yeah. baked. Did the family come to the lifestyle village to actually sit in someone's room? No, they didn't. They either went to the hairdressers with their mum or they sat in the in the nice hotel bar and right. had a port with their dad. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. So a lot of them now, the developments, Shelley, are they actually, they do have, I notice there's a few of them around that are having all those facilities. Absolutely, and, yeah. and it's going to increase. Great idea, isn't yeah. it? Well, baby boomers today, we're used to the luxury yeah. and... Yeah. Um, and, and I look at it myself, you know, being moderately mm. that age and I think would be the perfect scenario. Oh, absolutely. Shut the door, go on yeah. holiday and do what you like, yeah. So um, the average Joe Blow, like, I mean, if somebody's looking, for instance, at a do-up property um, and they think, oh, look, I want to get a designer in, um, what's, what's some tips that you could give people on what to look for? Well, obviously... You wouldn't be here unless your clients wanted the maximum out of their sale price. So if you look at a house in the 60s or 70s or 80s, it's really important to bring that to the 2021st century. So probably the most inexpensive way to do that would pick up um, the house and say, where is my style here? Um, Colour, painting would probably be the least expensive to do to have the largest transformation. It's amazing what colour can do mm, to every is. room. Yeah. I mean, we all see it on the block. We see it mm. in design shows. Um, I'm, myself, I'm a, I'm a avid watcher every day. But yes. if you, you can't say that none of us have seen a house transform I mean, on the block in Australia or selling houses in Australia, you know, you see all these period houses turn from something which is a red, ugly, um, brown brick into something that looks luxurious but not costing the earth. Do you sometimes have to change the layout of a property? Depending on cost. Mm. And, And then depending on cost comes to where you live. It all comes down, for me, it comes down to location, location. location. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got a location that can withstand the big the big reno, you would do the reno. Yes. If you had a location that didn't withstand that, you wouldn't. Renovations are hellishly expensive, mm. as we all know, which is mind-boggling, and, and um, we don't want to go too far down that track. But um, uh, I think it's, it's about thinking about where you want what you want to do to get the max out of your dollar right so what your end goal is I mean it also depends too like you said if you're thinking that you're going to live in a place long term or maybe you're you know having it for a few years so um, how do you actually go about discussing the costs and the the planning process with the client it depends if it's a renovation we would sit with the client the builder and possibly the real estate agent, which is really smart to do, which is something that's now 
bring more to, to the focus about what does the real estate agent think we should be looking for in this particular area. Mm. And then sitting down and saying, well, for the budget we've got, this is what we feel that we can achieve. And of course, we can go and blow lots of money and we can turn around and, and depending on timing, um, this can be successful or not so successful. I think um, on a renovation, it's process, process, process and planning. You know, everything's about planning. Yes. And I mean, even if you don't eventually do what you said you were going to do, I think it's really important to plan right from the start. And I think... As an interior designer, I think talking to an expert, whether you go ahead or whether you don't go ahead, it's really, really important to research what can be done. Right. So you basically give the person, you, you, what do you do? You chat to the person, say, what, what do you like? Or, I mean, how does it sort of start? I mean, they say, oh, this is my budget. And then what do you say? Do you say, okay, well, what sort of things do you like? Do you give them some um, pictures or something? Or how do you know what they like? Well, I mean, we work with a lot of builders and of course builders' clients are either renovating for themselves or they're renovating to sell. The first thing is finding out whether you're renovating to sell or you're re renovating to, to sit. If you're renovating to sit, then your own personal um, personality should come into that yes. house. There's nothing more beautiful than a house that has your personality and you own it. And that's if you're good. renovating that's, yeah. to sell, mm. different story altogether. She's an 80-20 rule. You have to take emotion out and you have to put the smarts in. So personality, yeah, it's important, but it's not important as it is about saying to yourself, I want 80 to 90 people, percent of the people to walk through this house and say, oh my God, it's gorgeous. Yeah, and that's a really, really good point because as a real estate agent, sometimes I've actually had to tell people and it's never easy to get rid of something or change something. And I'm talking about, you know, once it was like a very, very bright, overbearing uh, feature wall and um, it just was too much for the room and it really distracted from the property. And another time it was um, particular colour that was every ornament and everything was that. And as soon as we took that away, it was quite incredible because, like you said, that 80-20 rule is a really good thing to, to bear in mind, actually. Yeah. That's why you've got to listen to the feedback and, and don't take it personally. Yeah, and even an interior designer, we, we shouldn't have to tell people that decluttering is important. I mean, we see enough of it around now to understand that it's an, it's an essential. I mean, decluttering may be the hardest thing to understand, but pers your personal paraphernalia is for you. It is not for any buyer. Yeah. Unless you are very, very good at using your personal paraphernalia to actually um, be designer positioned, yes. then you should get rid of it. It's yeah. not somebody else's. Not get rid of it forever. Take it with you, pack it up, and put things in that will least cut it and least personalise the house. Yes, that's another thing, um, depersonalising your house, because sometimes, again, we've had to say to people in the beautiful photos, but you know, we want somebody to walk in the door and actually realise that this could be their house. But if you're looking at people's photographs for their whole family on a whole wall, it's like, yeah, you need to um, think about the buyer. And it's getting that emotional thing out, isn't it, from vendors, um, from, from clients and that, that, yes, um, this house is now being a business transaction, really, isn't it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And before and after, I mean, exteriors, 
exteriors can make a massive difference. Yes. The first thing you do when you walk into a home, it's whether it's a, a renovation or it's for sale, or it's a, you actually see what the house looks like from the street. So the exterior paint job is really important. We tend to overlook it because we think we want, the first thing we want to do is to get inside. But if you're looking to sell, um, if you're looking to renovate to sell, I would say, firstly, look at the exterior of your house. Can you bring it into the 20th century with a paint job? Yeah, so true. Because sometimes people will just go past a house, like buyers, and if they don't like what they see, you know, it might look beautiful inside and the photographs might be really lovely inside and then they go past the place and they think, oh, gosh, it just got no street appeal whatsoever. So, yeah, I totally, I totally get that. Yeah, and I mean, there are tricks of the trade now. You know, like you, if you had a peppermint green joinery, for instance, yes. which is well back in the 50s to yeah. 60s, you can paint that joinery these days right. and you can transfer that, that house to the 20th century. Absolutely. And, you know, that's not a hard job to do. And, and, that's, and it's world-class product, so you are get, getting something for what you want to, to show, yes. um, especially if you're putting a price tag on it that you want to achieve. Interior-wise, I think exactly the same. I mean, you can take, you know, multi-coloured walls. Great if you're the person that loves colour. But 80-20 rule is give it them space. Let them put their own personality on the walls. So many people will walk into a house and say, I absolutely hate green. Now, you might love green. The, f the last thing you want is someone to walk into a house and say to the agent, look, um, I, I just couldn't live with this. Well... How does an agent handle that? You, know, you don't have to live with it. It's, <laughs> we'll tell you later. But with, yeah, with, with, with a smile on yeah, your face. Yeah. But that's very difficult to do. So you can avoid those yeah. mistakes. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes, you know, if you have got an old property that that, that is in all these different colours, I mean, that is what a good agent should be doing as well, is just saying to people that this is such an easy, you know, transformation. Like you said, paint just totally transforms something. So um, having those those you know concepts in mind why would somebody actually choose a designer like I mean it, it, it you know it, obviously it can get really costly but why choose a designer and how do you choose a designer mm, interior design it's very very gray area this is an area that um, psychologically it's look let me just tell you if you chose an architect you would believe an architect had an architectural degree which we would all think okay I'm going to take an architect I know what to expect Unfortunately, interior design is a very grey area. If you're a, um, a colour consultant for Guthrie, Bowne, Resine, you may have a small design background. You may have gone to a few courses. You can actually call yourself an interior designer. Right. Um, so it really is about what type of interior designer you want. Now, um, if you're an interior designer, if you take our company, we generally only work with builders, developers and architects. So builders are probably our main focus. Okay. So you need to understand what type of designer you want. If you do want to just paint the outside of your house, absolutely perfect. Go to Resine and get a colour consultant. Okay, yeah. If you want some further advice on how to do that and how to work through a spatial design, then you really need to look a bit deeper. If you're spatially going to change your house or the interiors of your house to work and then you want to sell, put, sell that on because it's a rabbit warren, yes. then you're better to research your designer and get a designer that understands how to work with the builder. Right. The client, the builder and the designer have to should have together. a clear mm. understanding mm. what you can do and what you can't do within a budget 
and spatial design is somewhere where you can walk through with the builder and the designer can say, can we take out that wall? Yes, you can. There's no beam there. It's a hollow wall. No, you can't. We're going to need, we're going to add exactly. something that's going yeah. to add costs. So to cut things and time down, you need to be quite aware that an interior designer with a builder, along with the client's aspirations, it's is a going must, to make isn't it a it? lot It's a easier. must if, you, if, you, if you're looking yeah. at that sort of yeah. type of thing. So as far as, okay, say there's some work that needs to be done where consents will need to be um, sorted. Um, who is responsible? Who's going to do that? Okay, interior designer will probably not take you yes. to consent or they won't take you to council consent or to um, maybe building consent. That's, again, going back to what I'm saying, don't waste all this time. Pick a builder, find a builder, or ask your interior designer, do they know a builder that they work easily with? Work through that easy first process yes. with the builder. Find out what you, what can, you can do, do and do. what you can't yes. do. And then Once you you've established that, yeah. then you'll be able to start knocking down walls and knowing that you, how far your budget's going to take yes. you. The pretty tasteful things come at the last, the process and probably the following through with the builder, understanding the do's and don'ts come first. Not the most easiest thing to get no, through, but you, but need you must to, you go have through to do it that. first. You have to do that. And, and that, obviously, all of these things about consents and, you know, what's consented, what's not, and all the rest of it, I mean, you've got to think too, is that, you know, that all has to be disclosed when you sell a property these days. So, um, you know, it's very important that you do know what the consequences are and what you are doing, um, how it's going to affect the property. So what's the um, latest and greatest as far as trends go? And who do we follow really in trends? This is another it's tricky one. Mm. New Zealand is so young and we travel so far that we love everything. Yes, that's and good. So, I like so, that. It's something about how do we incorporate our best wish list? Do we want the Mediterranean? Do we want France? Um, do we want Holland? Do we want Switzerland? How do we find ourselves in this situation i think i think the new kiwi market would be one of the most difficult markets really gosh that's interesting wow uh because we love it we we love polynesian we mm. love the water we love everything so oh, it's yeah. about looking at your house and saying walk looking at the outside of your house and saying what is this house telling me what era is this house how does this house want to be prepared and designed I think if you look at a villa from the outside, you would hardly walk into a villa and give it a beachfront um, in interior renovation. Yes. And vice versa. Yes. So be sympathetic to the house. Yeah, that's great advice. And then say to yourself, what is my wish list after that? Mm. And if you are going to merge countries and, and, and personalities into a house, be understanding that they've got to merge slowly. They may merge with a colour, they may merge with a photo, but they've got to go in and out in continuity. Right. You can change. You can have lots of personalities in a house, but it's how you put that together. together. That's the big the thing. Most important. Yeah. You can't walk into a villa and have the continent. You can't have Santorini yes. inside the villa, but you can have touches of Santorini yeah. as you walk out to that beautiful veranda that you've opened up into the backyard. She's got me in a hand here, by the way. You know, I think she's just putting this so wonderfully. It is. It's. I. I just love that. I love the way you've told that story of the house because that's true. I mean, you should look at the house and and really embrace it first and foremost. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Embrace it. And what happens if you're looking at the house and you're thinking, "What? A, what a dog!" 
<laughs> what well, do you do about that? I mean, okay, well, you've gone to a bed. How do we make the best out of it? Exactly. Dog? How do you do that, Shell? If, <laughs> if I had a dog that needed embracing, yeah. first thing I'd do is give it a haircut. Yeah. So okay. um, that's you know, true, and that means just clean it up. Say, clean it up. Clean this dog up. Yeah, that's you know? true. How do I groom it? I bought a house once. Best? I bought a house once that I'd never seen. That needed a bit of a dog shampoo. <laughs> I know, but it's so true. It's yeah. like you literally have to. I mean, some houses you go into. I mean, they might be in a really good location, but they're the you know worst house, best street, or whatever. And people have been there for years and years and years, and it's just nothing's been done, and it's just so much rubbish um, in general around the place. And, and it is. It's it's like just hideous things, and you just have to strip that all back. And um, I've had an experience like that, and and it's just amazing when you actually look back and you go, God, all that work. So sometimes you just need to compromise what you can do and what you can't. Can't do. do. Yeah. You can make anything look much more beautiful. Mm. Yeah. And you just have to decide what you're going to do. Yeah. And then and then obviously you have to have a good agent to say what you're going to maximize yeah. and I think, out of that. I think it's the enthusiasm too, isn't it, of um, you know, an agent sort of saying selling the points around the um, you know, if it's a, if it's an up and coming location, you're selling the points about what's around the area and maybe if it's got a big lounge room, you know, you you're talking about that. So every house has got Okay, some houses have got lots of negatives, but there's also some really good positive things. You've got to build on those positives. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we once bought a house in Odahu. It was the first house, and my daughter bought a house in Odahu, and she'd found something opposite, and she said, buy this house in Odahu. And we went into that house, and we embraced it, and we didn't do much we didn't do much other than painting and just changing a few things. But we decided to put a petanque court oh. in the backyard. It was the craziest <laughs> thing anyone could ever do. Yeah. Because the neighbours came over one day and says, hey, bro, that's a big hungy pit. Now, that's a don't. <gasps> oh, I love it. That's a don't. Yes. So you do learn by... Yeah, learn by... Space. I thought you were going to say you had the whole neighbourhood coming over and, pl- no. and playing. No one believed it was a hungy... Well, they said it was a hungy <laughs> pit. It was a large one at that. But nevertheless, yeah. we enjoyed doing it. Would we do it again? Absolutely Yeah, I know what not. you're saying. I know what you're saying. So what about, you know how things do go through different stages where at one stage everything was, you know, like all these blue kitchens from the 80s or whatever it was, and then, you know, everything was white. And, and where is everything at now? We're still in white. Yeah, we're still we're in white. We're still in yeah. white. But we, we've gone away from, um, and our designers would hate me to say we're yeah. still in white. We're still in white. But we've toned white down. Yes. We've warmed white up. Yeah, that's what I thought. We've warmed white up with timber. We've gone into Yeah, I was, was going to ask you about timber because timbers feel yes. so beautifully en- engulfed in this nature. Yes. Um, nature, passive, everything is bringing us back to, to, to earth. We, we, we don't need anything stark anymore. No. Um, I think if you're going to go white, you'll find most of the stuff that you would do in white would be touched with something else. Yes. If you look at the Milan fairs and the latest fairs that are going on around the world, you'll see that there's more timbers, more dark fairs. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? With all the timber coming back, it looks fantastic, you know, because we sort of stayed away from timber for quite some time internally, didn't we? Very, very dark timbers. And now I think we were at the Teeter Awards a while back, and I think four or five of the top kitchens were all timber. Right, Um, wow. And and you'll see, in New Zealand, it takes a long time to come through, Mm. and not everyone's going to embrace it. No. it's no. a personality thing, but definitely 
the more natural tones and timbers with lots of knots and lots yes, of features. Yes, it. We're not looking for that timber that hasn't got a, um, an imperfection anymore. Absolutely. We're embracing imperfection in everything, right through to bench tops, right through to for floors or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's another thing is that we were talking about all these designs from around the world, but maybe that's sort of New Zealanders finally saying to themselves, well, you know, this is part of us we are earthy people and um you know maybe we're maybe that's where this sort of timber thing comes in again you know that we realize that the timbers before I mean they were pretty that they were good for the time but it's it's like we've had such a huge gap and now we've realized like I'm just looking at this beautiful seamless cupboards up here that we've got um of beautiful timber and and the background and that and and it just really accentuates it all doesn't it yeah and texture Textures, Textures, yeah. Never forget texture. And it's so can, true. can things go together? Lots of things. I mean, timber is probably the one of the most beautiful things about timber is that you can have lots of variations of timber yeah. and it still works. Mm. There's something about it that touches our heart. Yeah. We are lots of different colours and paint, not quite sure. It needs to lead in and lead out. Yes. Um, certainly have your own personality in bedrooms. Mm. Powder rooms. Powder rooms are so overlooked. Powder rooms are the tiniest room in the house, but can be the most beautiful room in the yeah, house. Yeah, tiniest room so with the biggest personality. To do, but the biggest personality. Yeah, yeah, it's true, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I was just talking about that the other day. Uh, I said I was going to do something, and somebody looked at me like I was mad, and I thought, no, well, actually, you know, it's the tini- smallest room in the house with the biggest personality. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and especially and if it's your own, it's your guest bathroom. Yeah, you know, if they yeah. come, your guests come into something and it's tiny. It might have a WC, mm. might have, might be narrow, um, but it can be embraced with big um, mirrors. It can have a little chandelier to mm. a, to a mm. certain extent, or wallpaper. And someone will walk in. There's nothing nicer than somebody walking out and said, "Oh my God, I love that room." I know, and do you know what? It's um, it's creating a smile, isn't it, really? A- you know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm yeah. going to the toilet, yeah. but I loved it. Yeah. How many times have you gone to a restaurant oh, and don't you even walk t- into the loo <laughs> and you go, oh, my God, oh my you've God. got to go and have a look at that toilet. Now, I, it's only a toilet, a WC, yeah. but you're, you're asking your friends to go and have a look at it because I, it's yeah, absolutely it's true. Well, I thought beautiful. you were going to say the opposite, actually. I thought you were going to say, no, it, go go into some of these restaurants and go to the toilet and you, you, you seriously wonder and if you're going to go and eat there again. that's a part of a oh, job shocking. that's not being complete. No. It's not, not at all. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Oh, well, that is so very, very interesting, Shelley. I mean, honestly, I mean, some of those things that um, you've talked about today is really hit home, actually. We would probably do, we do renovations to sell. Yes. Renovations, and, and particularly now when building costs are quite expensive, mm. people are looking at their property and saying, look, you know, I'm in a great spot. Oh, exactly. Uh, money is not expensive yes. to borrow. Yes, I'm going to knock the top off, and I know I'm in a great mm. position. I'm going to put a couple of bedrooms, um, I'm going to put a bathroom on, and I know that I'm going to finish this house and love it. Yeah. Remember, list it or love it. Yes, that's so it. And, and also, it well, the, exactly, it. and the other thing is, I mean, it's all very well. If you're in a really good location, well, where the hell are you going to go to? Because there's, you know, it's... It, by the time you sell your place and buy another place, I mean, you might not even be able to buy another place because there's so many people who want to get into that area anyway. Why not renovate? You know, absolutely. Especially if you know your house has got good bones. Yeah, yeah. I good think that's bones, happening more and more. Yeah. Think about whether you are going to actually do anything better than what you've got. Yeah. No. Thank you very much. So that's Shelley Brockless no from problem. Yellow Fox. Thanks, Shell. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Property Chit Chat. Subscribe to hear all our episodes. If you want further information, visit goodtonic.co.nz and hit the Property Chit Chat tab. Till next time, 
over and out. 